Hey there, Powder Cake fans. This is episode 135 of the Powder Cake Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and today we are sharing a recent interview and live Q&A that we hosted with special guests Dave Hickman and Sarah Conroy. Now, Dave is the managing principal of professional search at CLA, and Sarah is the HCRO consultant at CLA. And CLA is an amazing professional services organization, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but first, let's talk about what we get into in this episode. In this episode, I speak with Dave and Sarah about how to engage and motivate current and potential talent during chaotic times. I'm recording this in May of 2020 during the pandemic, so we get into some very important topics here. We also talk about how to establish clear goals, recognize employee efforts, and create a positive culture. We get into some great questions from the Powderkick community on the focus topic of building and managing teams in difficult situations. We have a bunch of great guests lined up for future virtual events like this one that you're about to listen to. So be sure to check out the live virtual event versions of the podcast with open Q&A. It's a lot of fun to participate in those live. You can find out all about those opportunities and the ways to jump into the community here at Powderkeg at powderkeg.com slash events. Our first guest today is Dave Hickman. He is the Managing Principal of Professional Search for Clifton Larson Allen, or CLA. After 20 years as an entrepreneur with fast-growth domestic and international companies, Dave joined CLA in 2017 for the opportunity to be part of a transformational company and leader in professional services. He believes that we before me is the right mindset uh, for a very foundational um, leadership style and is great for teams to best serve clients, solve the problems, and improve outcomes. I love working with Dave, and he is definitely someone I turn to frequently for advice on how to build teams. Uh, next up, we have Sarah Conroy out of Washington, D.C., uh, Greenbelt area. Sarah is an HCRO consultant at CLA and has more than 30 years of human resource experience serving as Director of Human Resources for Higher Education, Government Contracting, Healthcare, and Technology Organizations, as well as the consulting that she does. She's got a ton of experience working with tech companies and has scaled uh, the team at a geospatial tech company in Maine, so you'll hear some of that experience come through in this interview. Her focus areas include employee relations, performance management, workforce, strategic planning, and compensation and benefits. I hope you enjoyed this episode and gain some thoughtful and valuable advice from Dave and Sarah as they share the best ways to continue engaging and motivating both current and potential talent during a crisis that we're experiencing, like we're experiencing right now with COVID-19. I hope you are well and safe, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, really great to have both of you here, and Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. It's really good to have you both here. Um, this is a very crazy time, and I'm, I'm sure you're hearing it a lot from your clients that you're working with. We're hearing it from the companies in the powder keg community, many of whom are represented here uh, on the live stream, and they're introducing themselves here in the chat as we speak. Um, but I, I wanted to kick off the conversation by just kind of giving the opportunity to let you talk about what you're seeing. Sarah, I know in particular, you've been working with a lot of different companies, and I've heard you say it's, it's a different world. There's pre-COVID and post-COVID. Um, can you talk just a little bit about what your day-to-day -day has been like since this was declared a pandemic? Um, sure. And you're right. I'm not sure we're quite 
post-COVID yet, but we all hope we're going to get there right. soon. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a lot because we're a, you know, a client-serving organization. Of course, all our clients want our advice on things. So it's been quite busy. It really started with, since I, I not only do consulting, but I also do direct HR um, effort in for clients where I'm the outsourced HR director. So I'm doing both right now. And so, um, you know, it started off with a lot of, gee, what is this? And believe it or not, more OSHA than you might have expected, because mm. really helping employers understand their obligations under the general duty clause of OSHA and how that fits with their employer responsibilities versus, you know, ensuring that um, employees are are happy in their jobs and able to perform effectively. So that was kind of new for some people. So it was a whole lot of, okay, my goodness, what is what are our duties and how do we not violate confidentiality and employee rights but while also protecting everybody else in the organization. So went through quite a bit of that, you know, restricting business travel, new policies, all of that sort of thing, which I'm sure many of the companies on this call have been going through. Um, and then just morphing into, oh my goodness, what do the stimulus packages look like and how do we, we digest all this new information and try to operationalize it for our clients to help them effectively not only operationalize the stuff on the HR side, like the FFCRA, but also, you know, helping companies apply for SBA loans and basically take advantage of what's available in the stimulus package right now. So it's been a lot of that and not as much time to think about everything else, except for obviously retention is always important and ensuring that people are comfortable in their jobs, not, you know, generally calming their fears. So lots of um, efforts at uh, EAP involvement potentially. And then also just how do you, when people start to, who are not used to working remotely, how do you keep the team and how do you keep uh, people jazzed about the work and not divided. And then also there's been all kinds of concerns about schools being closed and how do you manage work-life balance when all of a sudden you're a teacher and whatever your day job was. So a lot of challenges there. We've kind of been in the thick of all of it. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of really interesting, it's been a joy actually, a lot of interesting dedicated people out there really trying to do everything and actually doing quite well at it. I think, frankly, being busy has maybe helped people not focus so much on what's going on, you know, on TV right now. Um, but obviously, companies, we encourage companies to make sure that employees are safe and comfortable and, you know, that they're sharing what they need to share with their employees. So I don't, that's a whole yeah. lot of info. But Yeah, no, so, so much there that uh, we can dig into here. And okay. I have a lot of questions on a lot of those topics. And uh, if you're tuning in here on Zoom, uh, go ahead and ask some questions and we'll get those queued up. Uh, we're, we'll transition here pretty quickly because we've got a lot of people here on the live stream right now. I want to get your questions answered. Um, but also wanted to give you, Dave, the opportunity to talk a little bit about what you're seeing um, on the professional services side, particularly in, in sort of the, the talent and talent optimization side of things that you're working on. Yeah, so the talent optimization side of it, I mean, it's 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 what everybody's already experienced. The first thing is, is that pre, pre-COVID-19, you've got, we're all going full bore. Everything was happening pretty quickly. There was a lot of hiring. There's a supply and demand issue. It's 2% unemployment rate. Uh, and for white collar workers, it's less than that. So once the, obviously this all happened, it's, it's really been kind of fascinating. You know, we haven't, we've been down this path before. And I think what's interesting to me is, is that we've got four different generations that's going through this. Some of us have been through this before. We kind of know what to expect. It was different in 2009. 
it was different even in 9-11, but we're going through the different stages. And I think that, you know, post COVID or during COVID right now, it's, you've seen a range of emotions. I mean, emotions from, through all different generations, emotions from, um, in their perspectives based on, you know, what's the not, denial at first. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And then moving, it's almost like the five stages of grieving is that moving through all those different stages and getting to the point of acceptance. And what we found is, I think is really interesting is that those who have come to acceptance faster are the ones who actually have been able to adjust to the challenges in the market. And they start making choices and decisions on, okay, are we gonna put this on hold? Are we going to actually continue on for critical roles? And are we still in growth mode? And they start making better decisions as a team, all the way from the executives through the organization to figure out what they need to do and, and pivot and adjust as quickly as possible. So I find it really fascinating. Um, unfortunately, it's during this time, but it's, it's, we're seeing some really great organizations figure out what to do quickly and move on to the next step. What would you um, recommend to leaders, whether it's the CEO or the head of HR or talent uh, at a tech company, to help their employees move through the stages of grief? Obviously, not, a, not every one of those leaders is going to have uh, you know, a license in mental health counseling uh, necessarily to work through that. So how, how can these tech leaders help in this situation? I'll, I'll kick off, Sarah, and then you can, you can join in too, because I know you see it frontline too, is that, um, you know, it starts with, you know, there's usually denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. All of this can be, it's really about caring about your people. And if you care about your people and you respect who they are and what they, and the value that they bring to the organization and to their families and really understanding that, it really takes a lot of communication. Um, I think we see it in our own firm. I mean, anytime that people are stuck in the fear mode, it's really around communicating to them, you know, and being transparent, for instance, of if you don't know the answers, let's be transparent about that. That's okay. People understand that. They just want to be respected that someone's not selling them a bill of goods, that everything's going to be okay, which is really denial, or that, you know, everything's going down the tubes. And, and it's more of, hey, we're thinking this through, we're talking it through getting their input. Um, I think that's really, it's about the basic human needs of really understanding because you have tremendously loyal people for you. They care about the organization. They care about each other. Um, they just want to be informed and go through this together as a team. Well, I don't know that I can add much to that because I, I don't think I could have said it better myself. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I guess I would simply add ways to support that include not just transparency and communication, um, you know, specifics that my clients are doing right now are increased town halls remotely, like if they used to have an in-person town hall, um, you know, they've now moved that completely remotely, and just making sure that you are continuing the mojo that you had going on on site, uh, how do you bring that into the completely virtual realm and not lose anybody along the way, and I will just put in a plug for if you do have a, a sitting HR person in your organization, yeah, they, they care, they can help, not only with sort of spearheading some of this, but also they are the person that is responsible for handling all of the confidential stuff because there's a whole lot going on with, you know, if there's an illness involved, if someone is infected, you know, there's confidentiality rules around that and a lot of support that they need to provide to those individuals. And they can not only deal with the individual themselves, but 
help um, you know entrepreneurs and those who are running the organization um, te temper the messages effectively and and ensure not only that they're well received because HR really does a lot of culture curation as well as you know everything else we do <laughs> um, but also just making sure that it's you know compliant because frankly you want to make sure from a risk management perspective that you're not um, sharing confidential information or that you're fully aware of of what you need to do as a, a CEO or a leader in an organization. Are there any good resources online to go and look up um, what all those confidentiality rules are at least maybe some of the main ones to be a pin be paying attention to during this COVID experience? Sure. I mean, I I'd ha I can probably put something together for you. I mean, we can certainly help with that. But in general, most of the HR folks on this call probably are familiar with or belong to SHRM, which is has an excellent portal right now. There are a lot of very specific HR groups out there too. There are regional and smaller HR groups. Um, and now that, you know, it's everywhere you can there's very good information the other thing that i would recommend i've seen a lot of good um literature and and easily digestible information coming out of employee benefit brokerages as mm. well so if you have if you don't have an hr department but you do have an employee benefits broker they're probably a good resource for you as well um but yeah i would definitely say sherm is a good place that would have hey this this applies this doesn't for example everybody most people have heard of the term hipaa but they don't necessarily understand how it applies and it doesn't necessarily apply to everything medical or confidential so understanding some of those nuances is important that's really helpful sarah uh, you both mentioned uh, just keeping the team communicating keeping the team uh, cohesive do you have any advice for good all hands meetings or good town halls in this all virtual experience? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I guess, first of all, for me, it's always understanding the culture of the organization, first and foremost. Whenever I engage with a new client, I really spend a lot of time trying to understand, number one, do you like your culture? So are you trying to preserve that as you scale up or are you trying to shift your culture? So really understanding that and um, how to either preserve that or evolve it is important. And so um, I'm not sure there's a one size fits all. I would look at what you've done in the past. Like if it's always been about, we start off with a game, you know, how do you replicate that online? Or we start off with, hey, what happened to me this week? You know, so basically trying to replicate what was working on the ground for starters and then encouraging ideas from people, you know, cause it's different. It's, you know, right now we're kind of seeing everyone go through the phase of, Ooh, let's do 27 virtual happy hours a week, <laughs> which, which is how we're all going to make it through this crisis apparently. So, <laughs> so, but I think there's more and more ideas that will come from your own people about what makes this interesting and engaging and brings them back to the quote unquote table. Yeah. And the only thing I would add, this is all great. The only thing I would add is just allow them the opportunity to be able to share their feelings, what they're feeling, what they're going mm -hmm. through in those town hall meetings. So, you know, everything Sarah said, uh, ideal and then add to it, just allow them to express how they're feeling and how they're getting through it um, and allowing them to support one another through this time. And if I could just add to that, not necessarily in a town hall, but other things we're seeing about, you know, how to engage people remotely and maybe when people can't be quite as productive as they might have been uh, in their role pre-COVID, you know, this is a nice opportunity to do that training you haven't gotten around to, right? And so since so much is available online, you know, 
go get your certification if you haven't started that yet and it's been on your to-do to -do list for a while. So however companies might be able to support that or look at that, I think is a good idea. Um, and then again, there's just stuff out there that you don't necessarily think of. And once you start to look around um, and there's more content and more things being created every day, I mean, you know, turns out the world is crazy resourceful and they're creating all kinds of new products right now, <laughs> you know? So even just keeping yeah. up with that has been interesting. Absolutely. I really appreciate those tips. Uh, I know a lot of companies right now have gone on hiring freezes, although if you read the, the headlines in the tech, uh, tech trade uh, blogs and even the Wall Street Journal had a headline to the effect of big tech is capitalizing on um, the, the talent that's out on the market right now and is hiring like crazy. So I know some tech companies are, are downsizing um, and some tech companies are scaling up. For those tech companies that are having to do layoffs right now, um, what are some of the pieces of advice that you give uh, most frequently to those HR leaders or those CEOs or other tech leaders on how to, uh, in a very human sort of way, uh, make those decisions for those, those people and at the same time communicate that to the rest of the team? Um, I guess I'll start this one if that's okay, Dave. Um, so again, I think it's, it's, it is culture specific and organization specific, but in general, um, to Dave's earlier point about having, being very transparent as an organization and have inviting people to come along as we, as this unfolds and preserving talent on the other side, we want to make sure that people come th through this with us and want to be with us in the future. You know, companies are doing different things like not, you know, a few years ago would have been maybe the uncreative layoff, right? So now it's not. Now it's maybe a furlough of some kind, either a short term, which is a, it's got a couple of different definitions to it, but basically could be a short term layoff, very short term with lots of preservation of benefits and insurances for return. Or it could be basically a salary haircut, you know, hi, you're going to, your salary is going to be reduced for this period of time. You know, you're going to come back after this period of time. So I think what you definitely want to ensure that you are being non-discriminatory in the process. You know, you want to make sure that, um, especially in a case like this, I think if you look at your, if, if you instill in your employees that you're absolutely looking at uh, what's available to preserve the capital of the company and to preserve the human resources of the company and to come through this process, whichever solution you come up with, as long as you can demonstrate that it's been well thought out and that it has, uh, you know, the ramifications have been considered and that you will come out a sustainable organization on the other side. I think employees are very likely to come with you because I don't see a lot of people right now looking to job hop. And that's another thing that I think is different or will be different post COVID because people who might have never been through something like this before never had to learn that it isn't always about chasing the next dollar, right? It is about do where do I see myself with a company, and is mm. this the right company for me? So, so you, you, are you saying that post COVID, meaning once people kind of go back into the offices, um, you're anticipating that maybe there's a lot that there might be a market decrease in the amount of job hopping? 
I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is I think maybe people have been asked to think about this in a way that they haven't before sure. when they're looking at, okay, I can't necessarily leap because this other company isn't offering jobs right now, or my dream company now just, you know, is downsized significantly or whatever their plans might have been. If they had any, they're probably going to be looking at that in a different way and figuring out, is it really just about going to the next job and building my career based on the next rung in the ladder, which probably isn't here, it's probably somewhere else, and looking at, could it be here, and how could it be here? You know, and if you are a company that can be that engaging and that transparent with your employees, I think those are conversations that could be had. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I was gonna say, it just, it, it, it can't, it's an opportunity to be able to increase the loyalty factor. And, yes. and I think if we look back at 2008, 2009, um, and I don't have the data in front of me, but I've looked at it before with regards to the quit rate. You know, the quit rate is something that the government measures with regards to how fast that, um, you know, what's the rate of people that take a job and then how long they stay and when they quit. Um, you know, it was at the, an all-time high here pre-COVID because of the fact that there was so many opportunities out there and not enough talent that people would quit for whatever reason. And to Sarah's point is, once you go through this process and if a CEO or a team decides that they want to keep those key employees and they treat them through all this process, it increases the loyalty factor that after 2008, 2009, we saw that the quit, the quit rate actually you know, decreased quite a bit. It also didn't accelerate that much for a few years because people remembered the fact that they were, they were taken care of. If they stayed with their company, they were going to stay there through a while. Then it started to pick back up as the economy really started to grow. So it truly is an opportunity if done properly and done with respect and done with a kind of a family or team approach that you have the opportunity to retain as well as bring those people back from a boomerang standpoint when the economy starts to kick back in. The other thing I would add to that, if I might, is that it all comes down to knowing your employees demographically, you know, because some of this is cyclic. You know, if I'm now ready to have a family, you know, I'm likely to look to stay, right? And so just know whether we're pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID, post it's always good to know that about your organization as well, you know, understanding who they are and what they need, because at different points in any employee's um, uh, life at an organization, they're going to have different needs for benefits and things like that. So even when you begin to look at your total compensation package, it depends on the demographics of your organization. So, you know, I, food for thought, I guess. Yeah, that's really great. Um, and I want to switch over to community questions here in just a minute. Um, so go ahead and type your questions in if you're on Zoom in the Q&A box. And if you're on uh, YouTube or Facebook, you can just drop it right there in the comments. And even if we catch this later, uh, we will definitely follow up with both Sarah and hopefully get some answers to your questions. Uh, but I, I wanted to transition a little bit on the opposite side of that coin we were just talking about, Dave, if you don't mind talking a little bit about the companies that are still hiring right now. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, there are some headlines uh, of a lot of companies that are still hiring. We're, we're still seeing a lot of companies hiring in the powder keg community. Uh, and the talent that is on the market right now is sort of unprecedented. Um, in my experience of just really uh, talented full stack developers, very talented executives um, that you wouldn't normally see um, on the job market, uh, at least publicly. Yeah, I, I think exactly. I mean, you know, what it was a month and a half ago is totally different than what it is today. 
Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing a lot of talent, great talent that's on the market. Um, and the supply and demand, if you think of those terms, are starting to balance out quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, organizations that are looking at this and saying, okay, we're going to be neutral to neutral positive or positive coming out of this, there, there's an opportunity for them to find the future leaders, the future talent of their organization. So I think that those that are doing that are thinking about strategies that they can be more targeted and also be a little bit cast a wide net too. I mean, there's opportunity to, you know, improve your brand and to, to demonstrate the confidence in your brand and employer brand that will attract talent to your organization. And I think that's what we're seeing is and back to early, you know, those that have accepted the reality have really figured out what's going on inside the organization, how it's impacting their own clients, which impacts their business, have accepted that are the ones that are already, you know, taking advantage of that in the market in very short period of time. Uh, do you mind talking a little bit about employer brand during this time? I, I know uh, a lot of times employer brands can be uh, made and broken during crisis times like these. And, yeah. and Dave, I was wondering if you had any advice on that front. Yeah, so employer brands, like anytime there's a crisis, it's always, you know, it can be an opportunity, right? If you have to look at it in those ways, if you're in that kind of environment that you can take advantage of it. And I think the employer brand is one of those areas that um, it's an opportunity to, for you to be able to kind of what I call polish and promote the brand. So when you look at your brand, um, one, you got to look under the hood. If you're going to polish it and make it better, you know, what are some of those adjustments that you maybe wanted to make that you haven't been able to make? You know, are you assess the behaviors and the values that, um, that maybe that, you know, you had before that are they aligned with your vision? Are they aligned with your mission? Do they still align? I mean, these are the questions that you need to be asking yourself <clears throat> or your organization and does it align with your culture, the culture that you've been wanting to establish and you've had before that may have gotten off kilter because you were running so fast that those are easy for those things to get behind. So can it be tweaked? Can it be improved? Um, that's the first thing on the polish. And then when you time to promote it, I mean, I'll kind of, I mean, the opportunities like with, um, with powder keg, it's, it's kind of a shameless plug, but the reality is, is that it's a great place for people to promote their brand and to really demonstrate to the world and instill confidence that, you know, our company is here. Our company is moving forward. We have a great place to be um, and uh, we're excited about it and we want to be able to promote that to the world. So I think when you think of the, you know, the polish and promote, build strategies around that and you'll come out of this ahead versus your competitors. If I could add something, I would say, Please. just make sure that um, it's all true, right? Because sometimes those things get out of whack. When I mentioned a few minutes ago about culture curation, having a connection between certainly whoever's, you know, doing your talent acquisition and whoever's doing, you know, ongoing employee relations and things like that should be in sync. Um, and so I think that's very important. And then, you know, make sure someone's looking at Glassdoor and things like that, because you want to make sure that someone else isn't telling your tale, or if they are, and there's something that needs to be addressed, it gets addressed so that your brand, the brand you're projecting continues to be true. Yeah, I think that's a really great uh, piece to add there, Sarah. I, I really think of employer brand as just a lagging indicator of the company 
culture mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm wondering if there are some ways, are there other tools you would recommend? There's lots of an employee engagement softwares out there. Um, there are even just uh, general practices that you can do without any special piece of software. Um, anything that you're recommending your clients to do right now to really engage their employee base and not wait till it shows up on Glassdoor? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to go with that. I'm going to actually answer your question slightly differently, if I might, simply I like based it. on my own client experience, because, and, you know, take it for what it's worth. But I find even when I go in and do the things that have never been done before, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. You'd be amazed how few people actually have something called a job description. And, and once you explain the actual reasons why it's important, not just it's this icky compliance thing that nobody wants to spend time on. It actually determines your future pay <laughs> and helps people like me figure out how to test you to market and ensure that you're paid properly and that there's equity across the organization. Cause all of those things go to employee trust, right? Mm-hmm. What I want to do as an HR professional is to say, I got your back. You know, I don't want you to have to be hired here and have to worry about negotiating your own package because nobody's already taking care of you. I want you to come into an organization that understands we already get it and that you can trust that, uh, you know, so-and-so didn't get more money because they asked for more money that we have, you know, appropriate banding and that we've made sure that we're non-discriminatory in our benefits program and things like that. So, you know, I think if you're going to you know, go to the trouble of having an HR person. It's about really making sure that that's the message that you're sending. You're you're fully supportive, and that it's you free up everybody that you hire to actually do what you hired them to do, and not anything beyond that. That's really great advice. I, I'm glad you answered it the way you wanted to answer it. I uh, have a our first question here is from this attendee who's actually on the other side of the coin. Sounds like they are a candidate looking for a job. Um, So the question, uh, I'll ask it here since it's from an anonymous uh, attendee. The question is, what can a candidate looking for a job, whether they're just unhappy or unemployed, do to stand out to hiring managers and recruiters right now? Any advice for that candidate? Dave, maybe? Either either or, yeah. I mean, to stand out in today's market, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of resources that you'd be able to go to to be able to say, okay, what does my resume, what does my LinkedIn profile look at? So it look like there's best practices that are out there. Um, I, I still believe that, you know, and you're going to find, it would probably look very similar to everybody else. Um, although the things that can make you look out is what value, if there's a way that you can demonstrate what value you brought to the organization, either through um, leadership or the development that you went through or from a, um, uh, a business perspective of if you're in the, you know, an SDR, what, how did you do with regards to the results that you did? That's going to stand out than someone that just says, here's what skills I have in the organization. Um, and so that's one area that we look at. Uh, the other thing too, is that I think that this is becomes a full-time, uh, and we all know it's a full-time job that you're now networking with people. And the networking piece is absolutely critical. So you're building your own brand. And how does that, how does your brand look into the marketplace? And if you were sitting on the other side, I always ask people like, look, if I were sitting on the other side, if you're sitting on the other side, what would you look for? What would you look for that's going to create value and that's going to fit inside my culture or going to fit inside um, the skills that I need or the value that I bring to the organization? And then who am I going to target and start building relationships? 
and sharing that personal brand of who I am. So that's the other part too, is if you want to stand out, bring your message about who you are concisely down to a few things that really make you unique and different in the marketplace that you can share that consistently with multiple different people. And, and I would add to that a couple of things. One, um, do your research. Show me that you're really interested in this organization and you know a lot about it, right? Um, and if there's an ad, follow the instructions on the ad because so many people just immediately try to go around whatever it is and just prove that they didn't read anything, right? So <laughs> it doesn't make the greatest first impression. So I definitely think those two things are helpful. Um, yeah, and then I guess I would also comment kind of from the employer side as well, because I think post-COVID in particular, we're going to see a lot of people looking for work, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I am encouraging my clients from the employer perspective, and I would anyway, COVID or no COVID, to ensure that they are um, getting the smallest, most talented applicant pool they can possibly get which means a lot of the work has to happen up front. I expect the candidates to do the research. I expect the candidates to be able to, you know, answer to this very specific thing. And so that, frankly, a lot of people are going to be knocked out. And so focus on making sure you're one of that select few because no company is going to have time. I mean, you're just going to end up, you know, going in the recycle bin, right? Because nobody's going to take the time to look at the second page of your resume all the way at the bottom where you did something kind of great, right? So. That's really good advice. Um, extrapolating on that a little bit, um, how are companies adapting their hiring process right now? Uh, and maybe they're just building their talent pipeline instead of actually filling the roles. How are, how are people adapting to this new remote world that we work in? Sorry, start with that. Oh, well, no, actually, I was going to have another thought on the previous question. Okay, great. <laughs> Is that okay? Of course. I just wanted to add one more thing on that. I think absolutely, as has already been evidenced, I think, by this, our call today, um, fix your LinkedIn profile. You know, because that's where everybody's going to go. Whether you submit a resume, they're going to look, look for you on LinkedIn. So make sure they match and make sure it's accurate and up to date. So, no, that's great, great advice. That's really great advice. I'm glad you added that. Sure. Uh, Dave, how are people uh, changing their hiring process now that people are fully remote? Yeah, so it, it really comes down to twofold. Um, the interview is going to be more vir virtual now. It's not going to be face-to-face, -face, um, which also includes, throws in some challenges with regards to the different stages of the interview. So, so for instance, um, the first call could be with a recruiter and or the hiring manager and then there's other people that need to be involved and they're used to doing a panel interview so now you've got to add the virtual component to a panel interview which then you know we just got to get used to i think the second thing is is that um, the onboarding process um, so we've had a lot of clients that they're continually hiring but what they need advice on is is that how do we do the onboarding process because we can still have them work from home and then they are, they're already incorporating how do we do the training virtual as well. So companies had to rethink the, number one, the interview process of doing the virtually. Um, and secondly, is how do we do the, the onboarding. But I, I'll add a third in there real quickly is that from a recruiting standpoint and to the, to the point you were saying earlier about building a talent pipeline, you know, let's get creative. As, as, as uh, Sarah mentioned, you know, let's get creative and do 
um, you know, virtual coffee interviews or virtual coffee, just building relationships with those top 10 talented folks that you want to start to, to target uh, and to make them down to, you know, a small group of people that when you are ready to pull the trigger, when you are ready to bring them into the fold or start within the recruiting process, they're ready to go. They've already had a relationship with you. No one else is doing that type of thing, um, or at least very few are, and you'll be ahead of the game. Yeah, that's great would, advice. Sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead, Sarah. I was just going to add to that that um, I've kind of been in the throes of this recently with because I had a number of hires in process and people starting during this time period on my clients. And so I've been rethinking the process with them and helping them do that. Um, but I think as far as recruiting is concerned, one of the bigger challenges and things to keep in mind is look at this from the candidate's perspective, right? You're making a life decision. Do you want to come there based on, you know, one interview or even three uh, virtual interviews? Most people kind of want to visit the organization if they can. So, you know, whatever you can do virtually to make someone leap, even if someone's walking around the ghost office with a laptop camera, <laughs> you know, work with your candidate to find out what would make them comfortable. Because the other challenge, I think, is not just not being able to necessarily pick your, picture yourself yet in the organization. It's also just the general concern about leaping during a, a time like this. And so however you can make them more comfortable with that, I think the better. So thank you. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, it's really interesting on this particular show, I've seen an unprecedented low number of public questions. Everything's being asked anonymously, uh -oh. which, which makes me think people have questions, but maybe um, aren't comfortable uh, putting their name next to it, which is totally okay. And you can still drop your questions below. I did see some public comments that I wanted to call out here from people who are here live with us on Zoom. I see uh, Keegan Giles here from HC1 who dropped a comment in the chat section that just said, um, I, I think kind of riffing off what you were saying, Sarah, uh, Keegan shared that the signed resumes has been a huge topic for him in the last few weeks. And he's been offering his coaching and resume tips to those within his network. So he wanted to extend that offer to anyone here as well. And so if you're interested in connecting with Keegan, definitely chat him up there. Or if you're watching on YouTube or one of the other platforms, you can drop a comment below. And of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast, we'll have Keegan linked up in the show notes as well. I also wanted to give a shout out to Josh uh, Jones over at Jobvite. He wanted to share that Jobvite, which is uh, one of the, the leading ATSs um, in the industry right now, that uh, if there are any sort of, uh, let's see, he said he's keeping an updated blog post with companies who are hiring. So if we know of any instructions to submit, the uh, post can be found on the blog. So jobvite.com slash blog. So if you know of companies, we certainly have a few dozen within our network that I, that I know are still hiring. So Josh, we'll get those over to you. Uh, but if anyone wants to take Josh up on that offer, I encourage you to connect with Josh over at Jobvite. Um, we did just have a question uh, come in and I'm going to go ahead and ask Erica onto the show. Uh, she has some questions to elaborate on one of the things that you both were talking about, uh, Dave and Sarah. So Erica, welcome to the show. Would you mind introducing Thank yourself you. and uh, letting us know where you're, you're dialing in from? Yes, um, Erica Edwards. I am dialing in from Spencer Health Solutions in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. So I wanted to um, ask um, 
either of our panelists to, to uh, chime in or elaborate a little bit further on um, how companies are onboarding slash training during um, mm -hmm. this um, <laughs> pandemic. I mean, we have a couple of people that we keep pushing out there. Um, their start dates based on the fact that the entire team is working remotely um, and we are a small kind of startup organization so um, you know the C-level is frankly nervous about trying to start individuals when the company is basically working remote except for one or two essential staff so um, great question Erica thanks for asking that Sarah do you mind yeah. maybe uh, weighing in first Sure. Thank you, Erica. Um, so yeah, again, I, my number one thought all the time is depends on the organization and it depends on the job, right? Because, um, you know, if it's a job that can be done fully remotely, then the challenge is how do you make someone feel welcome? How do you get them appropriately trained as you've already identified? And how do you make it stick? Because that's the other concern. You could bring someone on board and you may not be able to retain them if you can't kind of show them the love in the first, you know, three months, right? And so what I've been doing with clients is um, just putting extra special care in before they're hired, while they're hired, and the behind the scenes I've been working on converting the, you know, the onboarding process, including employee benefits orientations and training and all that stuff to fully virtual. And try to make it interesting. And I'm not suggesting I get everything right the first time around. We're all human. But I think as long as it's a, as long as people feel engaged, and I think you, if you are, you know, the person responsible for this, you're a really important person in your company right now, because you're like the sink or swim for this person, probably, you know, just understanding that they feel welcome, and that you are, you know, asking them to kind of come with you and understand that this was unexpected and that, you know, we're going to have more fully virtual approaches in the future. And perhaps do they want to be a part of that solution, depending on the job that they're fulfilling for your company. Um, but again, I'm seeing people go ahead, you know, uh, because we're all in this together. And, you know, if a company is financially sound and can weather this and is not considering layoffs at the same time they're hiring people, you know, that's, that's a horse of a different color, I think. But if you are, you know, fully financially sound and we're going to hire anyway, I wouldn't necessarily let this be a stumbling block to it because I think you can successfully bring those people in. And they're probably, frankly, if they were close to an offer or had an offer, they might be feeling very discouraged right now. And you want them to continue to have a really good feeling about your organization. And I think probably there's no better way to say we want you now uh, as creating that loyalty that Dave was talking about, if you can. Anything you'd add there, Dave? No, nothing to add. That was great. I agree. That was great, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, Keegan, looks like he's got a question. So uh, first of all, Keegan, thank you very much for your, your offer to help with resume coaching. And Keegan, welcome to the show. I uh, would love to answer your question. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Sure can. Yes. Brilliant. Well, uh, appreciate uh, you having me on. So um, yeah, actually, Sarah, you, you kind of touched on my question a little bit there, especially towards the end. But um, I, I guess I want to paint a scenario. So um, we are, we're, we're certainly still hiring, but there are positions that um, when we find the right candidate, we're willing to hire a little bit earlier. However, if those candidates are not looking, they're, they're currently not affected by this, would you suggest, or I guess, what, what are your thoughts around 
you know, go ahead and hire while the hiring's good, which is typically my philosophy. Um, you know, but considering onboarding now, they're going to have a much, much different experience in how they interview and perceive our interview and how they're onboarded. Um, well, Question, I would Keegan. Yeah, thank you. I would recommend that you, frankly, ask the candidate, you know, because they are going to know what they're comfortable with and not comfortable with. So oftentimes I will just go, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what is different than how we would have done it in the past. Are you comfortable with this? And most of them, and you want to make sure you get beyond their, you know, I'm an applicant voice. Their I'm an applicant voice is yes, 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 of course, of course, of course. You want real answers, right? You want to make sure that they're, they really want to work for your organization, that they would rather come sooner than later, and that they're comfortable making that leap. Like I said, I don't see any reason to wait if, if that's all true. But you are the, you know, you're in charge of your requisitions and your bottom line, and you know when you are budgeted to hire for this position. So, you know, certainly let that be your guide. But I, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily say, here's a hard rule that says don't do anything until, you know, we're all able to return to the workplace. Because I think that's a candidate's decision. And frankly, you can make it up to them later. You know, I mean, you can say, great, so glad you came with us now. You know, here's what we're all going to do as a team when we can be back in shared space. And that's when you're going to really meet people and kind of have what you would have had in the first week. And it'll be even better because usually you get the fire hose the first week and you don't remember anything anyway, right? So this is sort of a more gentle way to step into an organization, I think. And I think you can present it that way and can be successful. Great advice, Sarah. I, um, I hear a lot of companies right now that are on a hiring freeze and, and it sounds like that's not the case with Keegan. Uh, in fact, I know it's not the case with Keegan because we're, we're helping them find some key, key, uh, fill some key roles there. Um, but I know a lot of companies right now, their budget's frozen. And a lot of that has come from the, the VCs who have funded a lot of these tech companies, just encouraging tech companies to wait a while. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they can't use the talent uh, and that they wouldn't love to have more people on the team to keep keep that team growing. Any advice to those companies that need to continue to build their talent pipeline and keep those candidates engaged for when they get greenlighted on the budget? Um, how should they be communicating with candidates? How often? And any advice on even just what to communicate? Dave, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, and communication is key. I mean, it's all about continuing that relationship with them. Um, and so what we've seen is, is that, I mean, we've seen weekly updates, just communicating on a weekly basis, just pinging them, um, how you doing, how things holding up, what's going on in your world. Uh, you know, you figure that, you know, with the audience and the size of the companies, it's not like you've got 5,000 people to stay in contact with every week, right? So if it's right. 20 to 30, and you're just making a conscious effort to have weekly communication with them in some form or fashion through email or, you know, maybe once every two to three weeks to a, a, a 15 or 20 minute um, video communication, then you're demonstrating that they're important. You're demonstrating that you care about them. You're demonstrating that they're, that, that you're looking, you're trying to continue to build that relationship. And, um, and you're, you're just, I think that's where we've seen the most success. I mean, and actually, quite frankly, I don't know how much different that is during good times if they're doing their process right. I know people would say, well, we don't have time to do that during the process. But when you really identify talent that you know that's going to make a huge impact in the organization, it's worth the investment. 
it's absolutely worth the investment and the resources to be able to do those types of those little things that will make you stand apart. That's really great advice. Anything to add there, Sarah? Have you met me? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I think um, I would add to that that, I, as you can tell from hearing from me today, I'm probably a little bit more go with my gut. And you know if this person's already in your heart, a part of your team, right? Mm -hmm. And so from there, I wouldn't necessarily go, it's Tuesday at three o'clock, I need to call this person. You know if you thought this thing happened and they would appreciate hearing about it, call them. You know, whatever works for you guys. Um, and depending on your organization and how sure you are about the hire, you know, I don't see why you can't begin to introduce them to other people. I don't mean as a formal, hey, you're hired, but, you know, hey, this, you know, the, you might have so, something in common with so-and-so or, you know, we're, we're going to have a Zoom. Would you want to join us? Just like if you were local and you would have gone for coffee. You know, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, a huge thanks to Dave Hickman and Sarah Conroy from CLA. Check them out at claconnect.com. And for links to their social profiles and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes. We're going to be doing a lot more of these, and we have some killer people that we're going to be bringing on the show here shortly. Very experienced people that know their, their stuff inside and out. So uh, to be able to participate in those live, be sure to check out uh, all of those guests coming up on powderkeg.com. You can find that at powderkeg.com slash events. And if you're currently in the market for finding a new role and want to be connected to cutting-edge companies that are really changing the game in areas all over the world, join our Matches platform. We just announced that we're uh, opening that up for early access to people who have been affected by layoffs during the uh, pandemic crisis. You can check that out at powderkeg.com jobs. And if you're currently... Um, still hiring. There are many companies in tech that are still hiring right now. And if you're looking for ways to get connected to great talent, some of the most talented tech professionals in the world, join the Powder Keg Matches platform and sign up for your company culture profile at powderkeg.com slash sign up. It's totally free to get started connecting with extraordinary talent today. Again, that's powderkeg.com slash sign up. Sign up is all one word. And to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders in areas outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on the Powder Keg Podcast. <laughs>